The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. What are the most successful change leaders of today doing to deliver great results? Welcome to Inside Transformational Leadership with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program is produced by the Institute for Transformational Leadership at Georgetown University. We'll explore the inner game of transformational leadership, sharing insights from renowned leaders and faculty from our world-class leadership and coaching programs. Now, from Georgetown University, here is Kate Ebner. Good morning, and thank you for joining me once again. I want to apologize in advance for the quality of my voice this morning. Um, Woke up without too much of a voice, but I have to tell you that this is a conversation I have been looking forward to for a long time. Um, My guest today is Father Kevin O'Brien, who is the Vice President for Mission and Ministry at Georgetown University, where our own Institute for Transformational Leadership is housed. Father O'Brien graduated from Georgetown. He pursued a career in law and taught high school before joining the Jesuits. He's the author of The Ignatian Adventure, Experiencing the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius in Daily Life. And in particular, why I'm excited to talk with him, you know, beyond learning about his work and the important things he's doing at Georgetown, is because I think perhaps um, he's perfectly suited to talk with us about the Jesuit values as leadership principles. And these are values that have guided the development and the visioning of our Institute for Transformational Leadership. Values like contemplation and action, men and women for others, educating the whole person, community and diversity, and cura personalis, or care of the whole person, which we talk about a lot at our Institute. So welcome this morning, Father O'Brien. Thanks, Kate. Great to be with you. I'm so glad you are. You know, you are a visible presence on the Georgetown campus, um, and I have noticed your door is always open, um, students coming in and out. Maybe we could just start by having you tell us a bit about what you do at Georgetown. Yeah, so I'm, uh, uh, my title is Vice President for Mission and Ministry. So a way of thinking about that is uh, I serve as, in a sense, the Chief Mission Officer of the University. I help our president uh, Jack DeJoya and our senior leadership um, share our Catholic and Jesuit tradition of education and a spirituality with our faculty, with our students, our staff, our alums, our parents. Um, the other part is I, I supervisor oversee the largest campus ministry in the country. We're a, a Catholic university. Georgetown's the first Catholic university founded in the U.S. back in 1789, but from our beginning, we've, we've always been a place open to other people of other faith traditions. So we now staff the largest campus ministry of any college in the United States. And, and I oversee the, that, um, uh, that ministry on our, on our four campuses at Georgetown. So it's a, it's a really lively place. It's a great work to be in as, a, as an educator, as a, uh, as a professional, and as a Jesuit priest. Well, thank you for explaining that. And you know, I'm I'm um, 
also curious about your path. You know, you as I was thinking about who you are and uh, you graduated from Georgetown in 1988, I understand, and, right. you know, moved toward law and then teaching and then decided to join the Jesuits. Could you tell us a little bit about that journey and, and how you came to the sure. Jesuit practice? Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's an old proverb that says, God writes straight with crooked lines. And I think that is, is my is my path. It's a, it's a bit crooked, but um, all along the way, I've really felt that God was leading me to where I need to be. I think that's how God works with everyone. Uh, if we just have to be open and flexible, and, and God is very creative if we are generous. And uh, so I did. I, I grew up in South Florida and um, was very interested in politics and went to Georgetown, um, largely because uh, it was it's a great Catholic university, but also because it's in Washington, and I just loved politics. So I immersed myself in in uh, in politics here in D.C. when I was a college student, and I uh, decided to go to law school back in Florida after I graduated from Georgetown, again, with a, the sole intention about uh, with getting involved in politics or government service. And so I did that. I graduated from the University of Florida Law School in Gainesville and uh, went to practice law at a well-connected law firm in my hometown in uh, Palm Beach County. And in my mid-twenties, this happens to a lot of people. We start, I started to think, you know, what, exactly, what am I really meant to do? What will bring me great joy? I wasn't finding I was getting myself um, very animated and energized by my law practice or about even my interest in, in, uh, in getting involved in politics or government service. My, and what, the, what this was, I wouldn't have named it back then, but what I can name now is a Jesuit, a very important skill called discernment, which is important for any leader. That is to have an attentiveness to one's own interior life to find out where one is really authentically drawn in life. And maybe we can talk a little bit more about that um, later because I think that's a really important characteristic of leadership. But I was starting to do some real discernment about you know, what, what would bring me most joy and what would allow me to do the greater service. And basically, I, I was realizing in my mid-20s that maybe I was called to serve not in government, but in, in the church as a priest. And so... I took a break from my law firm and started to teach at a local Catholic high school. And it was there in work that I just loved. Um, my call to the priesthood as a Jesuit priest in particular became clear. Um, and so I joined the Jesuits when I was 28 years old, uh, 29 years old. And, you know, the Jesuits are just an order of priests within the Catholic Church. But I met them first at Georgetown, and uh, their spirituality and their commitment to justice and interreligious dialogue and their commitment to education really, really spoke to me. So that's why I joined the Jesuits, ultimately. Thank you for talking about that. That's uh, uh, fascinating to, to hear, and I do want to return to the idea of discernment that you mentioned. And I would love to just have you tell us a little bit more first about, um, about the Jesuits. What do Jesuits stand for? What do they practice? Right. right. So the Jesuits are an order of priests within the Catholic Church. They were founded in 1540. And like any religious order within the Church, other people may have heard of orders such as the Franciscans, the Dominicans, the Benedictines, many orders of religious women. The, the religious orders emerge within the Catholic Church often as reform movements. That is, they do a certain work that's not being done, or they offer a distinctive spirituality for the age. And the Jesuits were a, a religious order that formed at a time, the time of the age of exploration in the world. 
the reemergence of the great cities of Europe, the Renaissance and humanism, which was becoming um, more prevalent in, in Europe and the West, and into this world of, of a rebirth of learning, of exploration, of new ideas, of, of this animated conversation between faith and science, come, come St. Ignatius, Ignatius of Loyola. And he was a charismatic man who had this vision um, of something new within the Catholic Church. He imagined a spiritual reform. In an age in which the church was, you know, corrupt in, in some ways, St. Ignatius realized, you know, the reform we've got to do has to be spiritual from within. And he also said that the people of this new modern world needed a different kind of spirituality to speak to them, a spirituality which is practical, which is very down-to-earth, which, which meets people where they're at. And St. Ignatius offered that spirituality to them. And he had this charisma and this vision which attracted people to this idea, this, this new idea in the church. And eventually they, Ignatius and, and um, nine others formed this religious order, which they called the Society of Jesus, which was shorthand, would be called the Jesuits from their founding in 1540. And we almost immediately went into, into schools because that's where the greatest need was in the church at the time, that people demanded wanted some more formal education that blended not simply the pursuit of truth, but a focus on the development of character. Um, because back then in the 1500s, there really wasn't the formal education that we're used to today with, you know, grades and levels of schooling from primary to secondary to college. It was really a haphazard. And what Ignatius and his first Jesuits did was really formalize, institutionalize education in a way that's very, very familiar for us today, such that Georgetown and, and the other uh, nearly 200 Jesuit colleges and institutes of higher learning around the world, the, these, these schools are, are now part of the largest and oldest system of education in the world. Well, that was a, a wonderful um, introduction for those who are listening, and I'm, I'm curious about how you think that today the Jesuit tradition informs life at Georgetown University. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it is our animating um, spirit here. I mean, there are a lot of great universities and colleges whom we collaborate with and work with, and but we, we retain our Jesuit character, and we're very proud of it at Georgetown. There are 27 other Jesuit colleges and universities in, in the United States. And what, what I think is particularly Jesuit about Georgetown, a few things. One is that we... We believe that, you know, God is at work here, that God is at work in every person and in our world, such that this sort of animates our, one of, it's one of the reasons why we, we study what we do. Um, we believe that God is at work in each person, so a profound respect for the dignity of each person. This, the word you mentioned earlier was cur personalis, that we care for each person, mind, body, and spirit in their unique individuality. That's the focus of our teaching. That's how we are to deal with our students and with our colleagues, with, a rever with reverence, really, because we see each person is created in the image of God and is God working through, through them. We also believe that God is at work in all things, just not in churches and theology and religious things, but in all things, in the natural world and in, this, in the world of science and the world, and the, the world of business, that God is at work in every human endeavor. And all these endeavors are good because God is their source. And so good things are good to study. So we study good things. Again, 
we study theology, certainly, but we also study the, the arts, and we study law, and we study medicine, and we study the professions and business, believing that um, any human endeavor is a place where we can meet the divine and where we can be of service to people. And so what makes a school very Jesuit is not simply this animating worldview, but this commitment to be a, a man or woman for others, to be a servant, to, to make this world a better place. Uh, we make a commitment to educating for justice. We not only want to help people become you know, happier and live a better life, but we actually want to work for justice. And, and that's a little bit different. So justice looks at sort of the root causes for injustice or poverty or discrimination in our world. And we ask the big questions of justice so as to make this world a better place, not simply one person at a time, which we want, who we, we want to care for people, but we also want to you know, help structures and societies and organizations be more just, be more people-centered. We want to help governments and societies improve the lot of all people. And so we consider works of justice, and we, we do the very difficult work of looking at Systemic systems and organizations, governments, societies, and make sure that they're ordered towards the human person, towards justice. So that's also a very Jesuit thing about a university. And finally, at Georgetown, um, we have this deep commitment to interreligious dialogue and understanding. It's part of our DNA. Um, we have a profound respect for religious traditions, which are not Roman Catholic, and also people who don't have a specific religious tradition, but have shared values with us, with our commitments. And so we believe in, in a constructive and healthy dialogue with um, other faiths, traditions. So as in our, in our view, in a world which is so divided by religion, we believe that this is the way to lasting peace in our world. Well, you just gave us such a complete and beautiful answer to my question about how the Jesuit tr tradition, you know, lives at Georgetown today. And you know, it, it's. Um, I'm also noticing that you're doing a, a wonderful job, Father O'Brien, of doing the heavy list, lifting on the talking today. <laughs> so, thank you. My voice appreciates sure, it. I want to try to save your voice. It's part of my <laughs> personality of you, Kate. <laughs> I appreciate it. But I have so many questions for you. So, I'm going to um, jump in with another one. We have a couple more minutes till we take a break. But one of the elements of a Jesuit approach is the link between self awareness and leadership. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned this idea of discernment earlier. I wonder if you could, you know, we have about two minutes, if you could just okay. share well, a little bit more about that. Well, let me start, and then after the break, we can expand. You know, basically, that uh, what's, what's vital, we call, we, Jesuits call themselves contemplatives in action. That is, that in the midst of the activity of our world, we believe that we should have a contemplative gaze, a contemplative spirit, not just for us, but any student or faculty member at our university, or, or anyone, frankly. But that requires a, a, a developing one's interior life, a real attentiveness to what's not only happening outside of ourselves, but in ourselves. And frankly, there's so much in our world that militates against that. You know, the crush of information overload, the constant distractions by media and technology, the, the busyness that we cram our day with. There is so little time for uh, solitude, for contemplation. And without that, we become simply reactive and not proactive. We don't have time to think 
or feel deeply. And it's truly leaders who can think and feel deeply, which it's, it's those types of people that can formulate a vision. Um, otherwise, we're just reacting. Otherwise, we're just imitating someone else because we haven't had the time to develop the, the, the resources which are deep within our own minds and deep within our own hearts and deep within our own spirits. And so developing this interior life is critical. So too is developing skills of reflectivity or discernment, which we might be able to talk more about after the break. You know, I, I think as, as you describe all of that, it reminds me so much of the, the method, really, that we're teaching and using at the Institute for Transformational Leadership. And, you know, one of the things that we did when we first envisioned the creation of this institute, Father O'Brien, is we, we put all of those Jesuit values up on a whiteboard. We wrote them out, and then we looked at them and said, are these values reflected in our vision and in, in, our, in our plan? We discovered that not only are these values, values such as the ones we've been talking about, um, already present in the coaching program that we've been we're now in our 45th running of our, our leadership coaching program, um, but they're very much the guiding values of the Institute itself. So it's been, it's been so exciting to, I guess, discover the strength of this connection and to understand that our institute and the approach it's taking really based in self-awareness and um, a commitment to helping people um, understand that leadership is not just a, a job title. It's actually a way of being in the world. Um, it's so strongly linked with the Jesuit tradition and values that have been around for literally centuries. So I'm excited to um, to dig into this a little bit after the break. What I'm hoping for those of you who are listening is that you'll be able to really understand these timeless principles of leadership that are modern and relevant now as they were um, way back in the age of exploration. You're listening to Kate Ebner and her my guest today is Father Kevin O'Brien of Georgetown University, and we'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Welcome back once again. I'm talking today with Father Kevin O'Brien. He is at Georgetown University, and today he's really helping us understand the Jesuit tradition as um, a tradition of leadership and one that has great wisdom to offer us today as we're meeting the challenges of modern-day leadership. Um, Before the break, we were talking about how some of these Jesuit values look and sort of play out in leadership, and we wanted to return Father O'Brien, to this t- discussion of discernment, which right. is one of those fun of those principles. Sure. Let's start there. Yeah. So I think you could look at d- discernment as a way of going deep, right? As a way of of of, uh, of bringing more depth to your life. So it's it's less about a task to be accomplished, and more a way of living or leading. It's about going deep. I mean, there's this you know the temptation is superficiality to skimming, which is any leader faces. And someone who appreciates the Jesuit tradition tries to militate against that. Nicholas Carr, in in his book, The Shallows, about the Internet changing our brains, he had this wonderful image, and I paraphrase him now. See, he said something like, I used to scuba dive in a sea of words, now I only jet ski. And Jesuit education is all about scuba diving. It's about making meaning. And the first thing we talked about is being attentive. First of all, noticing. So being very attentive to the world around us and the world inside of us. And that requires some discipline of stepping back, of unplugging, of, of, of noticing what's happening around us and within us. And again, there's lots in our day-to-day living that which militates against that. So we have to be very disciplined. The second movement, once you're attentive, you have to be reflective about what you're being attentive to, right? So... If all you were were attentive, you'd have, you, you would have definitely have information overload. Being reflective is a way of sifting through all the data you're getting. Um, Robert Frost once said, how many things have to happen to you before something occurs to you? Right? So it's about making meaning of what we're experiencing. And T.S. Eliot cautions us when he writes in, in his four quartets, we had the experience but missed the meaning. We had the experience but missed the meaning. And a good leader 
cannot miss the meaning of what's of what's happening in and around him and, and her. So that's, that's about discerning. It's about thinking what is most important here? What is primary as opposed to what is secondary? Where, where am I called to be of, of more service? What is distracting? And this can be some very difficult soul searching here because there we might encounter deep within us some stuff we're not really proud of. Our, for instance, our tendency to control. You know, if we're really reflective on our interior life, we may we may realize that, wow, there's times that we tend to overly control, to hold the reins too tightly. We may notice that we're full of fear sometimes, that fear might motivate us, fear of, of raising my voice or fear of what other people think about me, for instance, uh, fear of, of failure. But we won't be able to encounter those fears or those limits, those sort of, those very natural parts of human beings unless we're reflective the key is we, we have to notice those tendencies which may not lead us to good things because if we don't, they're not going to lead us to good things, right? They're going to get in the way of our leadership, of our, of our desire to help people. So being reflective, being discerning about, about, about what we're experiencing is really important, particularly doing that discerning about what happens within us, which is what St. Ignatius, the founder of the Jesuits, called um, discerning the spirits, the different movements of your heart, the different movements of your soul. Where are you called to greater faith, hope, love, service, connection, community? Where are you drawn away from that? What leads you to division, to fear, to jealousy, to control? And, and we got to discern that because the battle, uh, so much of the battle between good and evil, between doing the right thing and the wrong thing is waged in the human heart. Uh, but that's some... That's some tough taking stock. So that reflectivity or discernment is critical. You know, I think that, you know, as you talk about that, we, we actually, in our work at, at both our coaching program and our transformational leadership program, we are really inviting um, those in our programs to begin with self-awareness, to begin with noticing. We're actually teaching people how how to become self-observant so that they are actively observing themselves in a variety of settings and reflecting, as you said, on, you know, who am I? How am I showing up? Is it working for me and others? (laughs) What are my habits? You know, what are my, what are my moves? And and say, what are my gifts and what are my limits? And to be, it requires courage and honesty to do that. But any leader who does not know their, you know, their pitfalls, their temptations, their, you know, what Ignatius called disordered attachments. A leader who's just not self-aware is one who's, who's not going to lead well. I see, I see this self, the quest for self-awareness is a lifelong pursuit, you know, and I, I say that, Father O'Brien, knowing that so many of the people I coach in my leadership coaching practice sit down on the first session and tell me, Kate, I'm very self-aware. And I, you know, I just smile and say, that's great, you know, and we know that we actually are about to expand that exponentially and yet we're only at the beginning, you know, so I, I, I'm curious if that resonates with how you think sure. about it. I mean, it's a lifelong process. I mean, the human being is a, is a beautiful mystery and we are, that a mystery unfolds throughout our, our lifetime. And I think um, St. Ignatius was wise enough to say, and again, he would never, and back in the 16th century, wouldn't use the, the terms of modern psychology that we would use today. 
but you know, he, he asked that twice a day Jesuits pause and do and reflect on the, the, the previous part of the day to see where were they drawn, um, where, uh, where did their soul move them, where, where did they, you know, um, where were they generous and where were they selfish, where were they helping people and where were they not, where were they, you know, looking at both the pulls and the pushes and the, and the in-betweens of, of, of any daily life, but being very, very specific being very, very concrete, look at those moments, that conversation, that work, you know, that meeting, and to be reflective about saying, where was my heart in all that? Where was I, where was I led? What did I do? Because, again, what's important here is that this is not navel-gazing, and nor is this simply self-help, because the, the third movement, after being attentive and being reflective, that's all aimed at being loving, or being serving, right? That we're to be reflective and, and to, we're, we are to be more attentive and reflective so that we can be more loving, so that we can be a better servant, so that we can be a better helper of people. And that's critical with Jesuit spirituality and education, that the movement here is always outward, that I want to help people. I want to be more loving. I want to be more generous, and which will ultimately lead me to be successful, not simply in you know, monetary terms, which it, you know, it may not lead to monetary success, but it will lead to happiness or joy in life. Um, because a life lived for others is a life which truly is one lived with great joy, um, even in its challenges. So the final movement here is, is to be more loving, to, to, um, to try to make our workplace, our families, our relationships, our world a, a much better place. So it's important to always keep that, that end goal in mind. You know, th- thank you for for sharing that. And and you know, I I think about um, the word love and being more loving, and and how that connects to leadership. So many environments, unfortunately, people feel um, anxiety or fear, stress. Um, they're not necessarily experiencing um, a lovingness in the in the actions and the behavior of their leaders. And and yet, um, Saint Ignatius very much was calling for, I believe, a world in which there's greater love than fear. And I'm curious about how that looks. Do you think in real life, from a leader, when leaders are practicing this, what does it look yeah. like? Yeah. So it may sound strange to talk about leadership and love, but uh, you know, the love that I speak of is not this sort of saccharine Hallmark card type of sentimentality. The love I speak of is is the love deeply rooted in our tradition, this uh, the, Ju- the Judeo-Christian tradition, which of course could translate to a lot of different perspectives and traditions. But it's a, it's a love lived out in concrete service of others, right? It's a love that is gritty and real, and it, it reveals itself in that word, that action, that gesture. And that's why this taking stock of our day is that just, you know, I think it's transformative. If, if everyone commits 10 minutes a day at the end of their day just to reflect on their day, letting the, the day run through them, um, and to see, you know, where, where, where was I more loving and generous and where was I not? Where was I full of peace? Where was I full of fear? Um, where was I felt connected to people? When was I not? It's amazing the awareness that that can generate and then the conviction to change behavior that can come from such reflection. Um, Ignatius said very concretely, um, love ought to show itself more by deeds than by words. He's a very, very concrete um, 
very practical person as the Jesuits are. And I think to speak about love, it is to speak in that way, where it's, it's really about love which is not saccharine or lofty, but is truly rooted in everyday actions, in the, in the beauty and brokenness of, of every human life and every human day. And where we truly call, you know, change love to, to care for, for the person, if you wish, um, serving the other. And particularly, I think, as a Jesuit university, we always want our leaders to be aware of those on the margins of society. Now, much of what I've talked about today, we see embodied in Pope Francis, who is a Jesuit, right? The first Jesuit pope. A lot of what he talks about, how he speaks and what he does, it's, it's all a reflection of what you and I have talked about, Kate, today, about being discerning, right? About how he leads us to be more reflective about our interior life so that we can be better servants. And a constant message of his, which is applied to any human being, is our obligation, our need as human beings, as Christians, as Muslims, as Jews, or whatever, our obligation to care for those on the margins. So any good leader should have his or her gaze fixed on those people who are left out, are stepped on, stepped over, left behind, those people on the margins who we, who have certain power and privilege, have a duty as human beings to care for. And so that goes to the, the, the question we spoke earlier about justice, about social justice, that at a Jesuit university, we educate for justice, and Jesuit spirituality is focused on, on matters of justice and caring for those people on the margins and beginning to erase those margins which degrade people or debilitate people. Well, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to listen to you. I, I think that you have just done, are doing such a wonderful job of, of making this come alive for us. And I, I want to especially thank you for giving us the idea of practices such as pausing twice a day. How did I do in that first half of the day? You know, reflecting on that and then the second half or even just once a day for 10 minutes and um, letting the day flow through you, as you said. And um, where was I experiencing peace and joyfulness? Where was where was something else happening? Um, and And you know, to combine that awareness with this idea of, you know, um, care, love, service, um, is, is so powerful. And I think it is something that, you know, I think about it as a coaching question that mm -hmm. we have sometimes used in our coaching program to illustrate the power of inquiry, actually. And the question mm -hmm. is, is a big question. The question is, what would love do? And mm -hmm. I, sh I share that with you because as crazy as it sounds, when one is working with a leader of a corporation who's faced with huge challenges and who sees one way and feels enormous pressure and stress, that question, what would love do, can almost bring everything to a screeching halt. Mm. <laughs> and sometimes that leader will say, you know, if I think about, you know, not, not the, you know, schmaltzy version of love, but just this sort of this idea of care, what would I do if I did did the same thing with this question in, in mind? I would actually change my tact. I would change my message. I would go about this differently. You know, so I'm, I'm really very happy that you've been able to bring so much into this conversation and, um, and also Pope Francis. And 
would love to hear you say more about um, Pope Francis, who seems to really embody so many of these values. Um, tell us more about how you see him. Is he a, right. a great example of a Jesuit leader? Sure. And I think, you know, one is the discernment he does. I mean, when you listen carefully to his speeches and his observations, he's really, he leads audiences of different kinds through discernment. He invites people to, to the longest journey is often between the head and the heart. And he is inviting people to, to engage in that journey of, of, of reflectivity, of depth, of prayer, so that our actions can be truly rooted in the best of who we are, so that, we, so that what we do flows from the deepest sense of who we are, which is really the path to authenticity, right? When, when what we do flows from the deepest sense of who we are, we are more authentic people. And people want to, want to follow authentic people, right? And Francis, you know, what you see is what you get. He's real. Now, that comes from 78-plus years of living and of learning and of praying and of serving, but I think that's what we strive for, for that authenticity. Let me leave you, um, you know, I know we have a break coming up, but the, Francis has this beautiful image of leadership. And he was instructing bishops, and he said this about to the bishops who you know, lead local, um, uh, you know, like the, the, our, our bishop here in Washington or New York or what have you. But he said this to bishops. He said, sometimes you're going to be asked to lead from, from ahead, showing others the way and giving them hope. But sometimes you'll be asked to lead from the middle, from, the, from, the, from in the midst of people, encouraging them side by side. And lastly, he said, sometimes you're going to, be, you're going to need to lead from behind to help those who are lagging behind, but also give space for others to lead. And for me, I find that a very instructive view of leadership, leading from ahead, as we're called to do sometimes, showing the way, putting ourselves out there, being in the middle encouraging people side by side, collaborating. But this very you know, insightful notion of leading from behind, giving, helping people who are lagging behind, but above all, giving space for others to lead. And boy, does that require a certain you know, humility. A great leader allows others to lead. And that, I think, is a challenge for, for many of us. I like that very much. And, and, and I, I think it um, reminds me of the versatility of of a leader, you know the, the the again, I guess it's the discernment to know where what kind of leadership is needed right now. Is it is it from from the head? Is it from the middle, or is it from behind? You know, where do I need to be? Where do I need to be as a leader in order to move with people or to get people to move with me? And and that's discernment, right? So that's why. You know, as you're at a meeting or if you left a meeting or you're, you're taking your 10 minutes at the end of the day to reflect, okay, was I ahead in the middle or behind? Was, was I in the right place or should I have been in a different place? I mean, that's another example of discernment, you know, to be, to be self-aware and even self-critical enough and self-congratulatory when we get it right. But to be able to step back and say, okay, which, how did I do? Excellent. Well, we're going to take another break right now. Um, for those of you listening, I hope you're enjoying this conversation I'm having today with Father Kevin O'Brien of Georgetown University. We'll be right back for our last segment.
the market's up or down. Or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Founded in 2012, the Institute for Transformational Leadership, ITL, is an international center for inquiry, experiential education, and research about leadership in the 21st century. Our mission is to develop worldwide communities of transformational leaders and leadership coaches who are dedicated to engaging and providing the leadership needed for a more sustainable and compassionate future. We currently offer two cohort-based certificate programs, the ICF Accredited Certificate in Leadership Coaching and the Executive Certificate in Transformational Leadership. We also offer a range of ICF-certified Advanced Coach Education Master Courses for experienced leadership coaches. For more information about our programs and how to apply, visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. Email itlprograms at georgetown.edu or call 202-687-7000. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Inside Transformational Leadership, produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please send an email to itlprograms at georgetown.edu. Here again is your host, Kate Ebner. Well, here we are once again for our final segment of today's program. As you know, I'm speaking today with Father Kevin O'Brien, who's the Vice President for Mission and Ministry at Georgetown University. And he's really been doing a fine job of helping us um, understand the Jesuit values and principles and, and, and particularly how they relate to leadership and how relevant they are today. And it's very interesting to me that so many of these principles are turning up in the research, the modern research about great leadership, um, where I'm, I'm seeing that these are the the same ideas that we're discovering after years and even decades of researching what makes great leadership really are these um, same principles we're talking about today. Um, before the break, we talked a bit about Pope Francis as someone who's an example of the kind of leadership that... Um, could be described as um, informed by or animated by Jesuit values. I think as we go into this last segment, Father O'Brien, I would love to um, talk more about this kind of leadership in in, in practice or in daily life. And I, 
I know that I know that we have uh, a lot to draw from here, especially because Saint Ignatius offered spiritual exercises for daily life, and you've done quite a lot of work with those. So, where should we start? Yeah, so I think maybe you know back with Saint Ignatius, and you know back, you know, he had this these this moment of conversion in these years of where he really was re- changing his life, and what he did is he took notes about this change of life he experienced, and. As he talked to people and helped people, he, he crafted these the series of exercises, which are collected in a book called The Spiritual Exercises. And this, is, this book is you know, one of the most translated and printed books in modern history. It has lasted for 450 years, nearly 500 years now. And the catch, though, unlike other great spiritual classics that one might read, it does not inspire because it is it literally reads like a, a cookbook or a how to manual. It's literally a series of exercises that one would give someone else in order to then in order for them to become more discerning as we've been discussing, or that they can grow deeper in their faith, or they can uh, discover what their calling in life is. And so he crafted this this book called the Spiritual Exercises, which is a, has been adapted and given to you know. Um, countless people over nearly 500 years. I, I wrote uh, a book uh, a couple years ago called The, the Ignatian Adventure, which is um, a, a book which help, tries to help people apply these spiritual exercises to, to their everyday life. And we already talked about one example about how to do that. That is to, to take uh, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day and reflect on your day in a sort of a discerning spirit. I want to add, a, and, and there's lots we can talk about here, but another exercise which is really critical or movement which is really critical for Ignatius's exercises is gratitude. You, you know, in the end, grateful people are, are happier people, aren't they, right? But in order to become grateful, we have to have that reflective gaze to actually thank God or other people, or both, thank God and other people for the gifts of our life. And that's really important because that, what that does is that automatically turns us outward to other people. Any temptation we have to self-pity or self-involvement, the great antidote there is gratitude because it automatically turns us outward. And it makes us very humble, and there should be then a natural turn to offer the gifts that we acknowledge in the service of others. So gratitude is extremely important in a Jesuit type of spirituality. And again, like loving, it is gratitude, which is really, really concrete, very concrete. So I'm grateful for the serial eight this morning. I'm grateful for the conversation I had for that, with that person. I'm grateful for that book I read. I'm grateful that I woke up to breathe another breath. I'm grateful for the, the show I saw with my friend. It, to name the specifics in our life, it's, it's critical because we believe that God is found in all things, all places, all people, all times, that nothing, you know, God is just not reserved for a church or a temple or a synagogue or a mosque. It's God is everywhere. And that gratitude has this way of opening up our vision, our ears, to experience the depth of reality around us, which makes day-to-day living a lot more interesting. So if, we were, if one is wanted to practice gratitude, how would that look? Yeah, you know, we look by, you know, habit. I mean, one of the ways of developing an attitude of gratitude is by a habit of gratitude. So to get in the habit of saying thank you to other people, to verbalize it. 
I mean, when you think about good leadership, when someone feels honored and, and, and appreciated, they're much better um, at their work, right? It lifts people up. And not to be obsequious, I'm not talking about being um, false flattery, to be extremely grateful to another person for this or that thing and to name it. So to practice gratitude, so to practice gratitude to other people by verbally, to be very concrete. And also, if, you know, if you're a praying person, to thank God for the blessings of one's life, which is also extremely important. So it's, it's getting into a habit of gratitude is really important. Again, again, being very, very um, concrete. There's another spiritual exercise that may be helpful to, to seeing the depth of the world around us. There is a, a great Jesuit, Walter Burkhart, who, who described contemplation as a long, loving look at the real. A long, loving look at the real. In this case, let's say I, I used to live in New York City, and I used to take the subway from the Bronx where I lived at Fordham to Manhattan often. And that's, that's about a 20, 25-minute ride on the D train. That used to be pretty empty time until someone inspired me to use this as a moment of contemplation, which is to really just look around me and immerse myself in the sights and the sounds and the texture of what I'm experiencing every day. Where suddenly the, the encounter on the D train, my time on the D train was this encounter with transcendence, with, with, with depth, with, with being really connected when I noticed other people and when I noticed what people were doing or saying, it made me much more connected to what we would call transcendence, to, to that which is below the immediate in our world. But there's something deeper with, uh, within it. Uh, the, the great Jesuit poet Hopkins said, the world is charged with the grandeur of God. The world is charged with the grandeur of God, that there's something percolating deep within what we think is very practical and tangible. And having that long, loving look at the real is very important. So sometimes people, it's not simply about running off to my room for 10 minutes, closing the door and being quiet, which is very good to do, or sitting in a chapel for 10 or 15 minutes and being quiet. That's great. It's also, though, about when we are in the midst of the world to develop a contemplative gaze, even in the midst of a very active place. You're at the mall, you're shopping, you're on the bus, you're on the subway, you know, God's at work there as much as in a chapel or your, the privacy of your room. That there's some invitation waiting for us. If we could be just a lot more attentive, going back to where we began our conversation about what's happening around us, and then to notice, to be reflective about how that's making us feel. And above all, any time that we can turn outward and be more contemplative, the better leaders and people we will be. So any leader at a meeting, you can turn at, take a meeting. If you're at a meeting, as you're participating in the meeting, is there a way that you at different times can sort of step back, even when you're there, and take a contemplative gaze on what is happening? What's the texture of the room? What's the feel of the room? What's happening here? Who's left out? Who's, who's, who needs to say something? That can be very, very helpful in terms of fostering community and connection in our workplaces. I love it. A long, loving look at the real. And, you know, as you, as you were describing that, I, for some reason, had in my mind how often I've walked on the streets of Washington, D.C. or New York or Chicago or other places, and everybody's got their heads down. They're looking oh, yeah. at their phones. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think it's so interesting when you're the person who's not looking at your phone, when you're actually wide awake and looking around you at the moment that you're in, the people 
you're on the street with. And, you know, so I, I offer that because, you know, I, I suppose one could argue that what's happening on that phone is also a version of the real. <laughs> but I think sure. a long, loving look at the real, you know, whether it's whether it's a meeting that you're attending, whether it's just walking down the street, sounds like a, a great invitation to be wide awake with sure. where, and there's wherever a, you are. A, a, there's a discipline there, right? So I encouraged... Um, in the season of Lent for Christians, it's a time to try to simplify your life a bit. And my challenge to our students here on the main campus was, when you're walking between classes, don't, don't take out your cell phone. Just walk between classes. And notice if your life, your day is any different. And some of the feedback I got was, my gosh, I actually stopped and talked to someone. You know, I connected with the people I normally wouldn't connect. <laughs> or, or actually, I noticed boy, what a beautiful day. And so definitely there's a great invitation here for us if we were to all foster this contemplative spirit, this taking a long, loving look at the real. And again, whether you use religious categories on it or not, it's an invitation to live more deeply. And, you know, God is found in what is real in all parts of reality. That's why we always have to pay attention. And there's, and again, there's a great invitation for all of us for growth, for 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 deeper meaning in our life, and for some unexpected um, challenges too, which would lead to growth and some great affirmations of the people we are too. You know, as we as we come into the last couple of minutes, believe it or not, of our hour together, I want to go back to something that you said in the very beginning and something that, you know, so much of my own work other brothers to um, be able to describe a desired future, being able to be visionary, and mm. as a leader, to be able to articulate a vision that's compelling and inspiring and brings people, invites people to come with you. And you said that really this, um, this awareness is, is essential to being able to be visionary. Would you mind just saying a, a bit more about that? Right, because when you think about we think about our own life, whom do we want to follow? Who inspires us? It's people with vision, but it's just not simply about you know um, painting a picture. I mean, people. It's about articulating that vision, and and people who articulate a vision with passion and not just simply rigor or discipline are are so much. Are so many are so much better leaders, right? Because not simply do they have a vision, but there's a passion behind it. There's something deep within themselves that is causing them, impelling them, to articulate that vision, to articulate that place where uh, that we all should go as a community, as a church, as a business or family or whatever. And so I think it's part about it's about the passion that this type of attentive and reflective life taps into. It's about tapping into deep passions. Um, now, for a bunch of celibate priests, Jesuits speak about passion a lot. And it's, it's, it's not simply, you know, um, carnal. It's, it's more than that. It's the deep passion and desire and, uh, to make this world a more just and gentle and, and loving place. It's a, it's, a, it's a deep passion which is summoning us to be our very best selves, calling us to be more engaged with the world and to become the person we're called and meant to be. I mean, that's the passion I'm talking about. And it's deeply rooted in ourselves. What Jesuits would say that God has planted that vision deep within us, that deep and bold and holy desire. And our project in life as leaders is to, is to 
bring that out of ourselves and above all, call that out of other people so that other people can get, get on board to this vision which should animate not just simply me but others around me so that we can all Beautiful. go towards a common project together. You know, that is, that is a fantastic comment and a great place for us to end today. I want to say thank you to you, Father O'Brien, for joining me for this hour and for really um, illuminating the Jesuit values for us in the context of transformational leadership. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kay. Great being with you all. It was great. Have a great day, and thank you for thank joining you. us. Thank you for joining us this week on Inside Transformational Leadership. Please tune in for another edition with your host, Kate Ebner, next Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our programs, please visit scs.georgetown.edu forward slash ITL. We'll talk again next week.